Hello, and welcome to Out of My Mind in Costa Rica, where we talk about all things related to post-traumatic stress and complex post-traumatic stress. This means the content of this podcast can be graphic, and if you suffer from PTSD or complex PTSD, keep in mind you could become triggered. If that happens, stop the podcast immediately and take care of yourself. You can always come back and listen later. I'm the guinea pig here, and it is my life I examine on Out of My Mind in Costa Rica. It is my hope that my trials and tribulations, successes and failures, will somehow compel you to examine your life and discover your gifts. Socrates exclaimed, a life unexamined is a life not worth living. This is a call to action for all of us. As a clinical social worker, this was my trade, my vocation. From personal experience, I can tell you, without a doubt, that what you don't know can hurt you. My entire life, I have been compelled to support and encourage people to grow, to boldly look within and courageously examine their lives. Shine your light onto those dark spaces and the solutions you seek will reveal themselves. Now sit down, relax, and listen. Out of my mind, in Costa Rica. Hello, and welcome to Out of My Mind in Costa Rica, living with complex post-traumatic stress. I'm your host, Ray Erickson. This week, I continue to recover from having COVID-19. It has been over two weeks since I fell ill to this mother-effing virus, and let me say this, you seriously do not want to get this bug. So get vaccinated, if not for yourself, for the people you love. That's it. I'm not saying anything more about the pandemic. This week has been flowing like molasses in January. Real, real slow. I can't remember a time where I had no go, no juice, for as long as this. This is 18 days past COVID, and I am still not functioning at peak levels. Well, Not that I ever functioned at peak levels. Right now, though, I would give myself 60-70%. I do not have enough appetite to motivate me to cook anything. There's food to cook, plenty of it. I just have not had much of an appetite. And besides, cooking would just get in the way of my naps and the endless hours spent staring into space, wandering the back roads of my mind. And believe me, it's not that interesting in there. I'd rather have the energy to mindlessly clean as opposed to mindlessly being mindless day in and day out. It gets to be a bit tiresome going to bed, sleeping for 11, 12 hours or more, then waking up feeling as if I'd been drugged. But I need to go to the bathroom to pee, and now I'm awake. If I went back to bed again, I would be there all day. So I stay up, make some coffee, and get on social media. Woohoo! Big whoop! Social media? The place people go to feel more isolated, more alone, and more inadequate. Yeah. I try not to spend too much time on social media, but when you're living alone and there's no energy to do anything in the first place, then social media can get a good workout. The other option is to read, which I love to do, but I don't have much endurance for reading. My eyes get tired, and then I'm napping again. 
it's easier to watch Netflix or HBO or YouTube. Yet, when I read, the stories draw me in, and I'm easily caught up in the drama of the book, which currently is the first volume of Outlander by Diana Gabaldon. It's a fantastic book, but for too many days, I am simply too lazy to read. So I veg out in front of the TV or in front of the computer. I meditate frequently, although some may call it sitting in a trance, but I prefer to think I am meditating and I'm benefiting from this behavior. I've been avoiding meditating as well. I must be depressed, so I checked it out. Now, there are probably hundreds of questionnaires that will do an adequate job of diagnosing depression, but I like the Burns Depression Checklist from his breakout book, The Feeling Good Handbook. Dr. Burns specializes in a cognitive behavioral approach to the treatment of anxiety and depression, and I was a longtime student of his work. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, or CBT, involves the examination of your thought process and uses concrete activities to change the way you think about yourself and your relationship with others and the world at large. I primarily use CBT when I work with most of my clientele. It's a simple and effective approach to treating anxiety and depression, and it has been proven to be as effective as taking psychotropic medication on its own. I like it, and I still think it's a good way to approach mental health in general. So I took the questionnaire, two versions of it, actually. One, a quickie assessment with 15 items, and another more detailed questionnaire with 25 items. On the short scale, I scored 33 out of 45. This score can also be represented as 75%. On the longer scale, I scored 58 out of a possible 100, or 58%. Now, on the short assessment scale, my score of 33 put me at the lower end of the severely depressed level. I had no scale for the longer assessment, but my guess is that a 58% would be in the moderately to severely depressed uh, area. Either way, it's clear I have depression. Bear in mind also that I've been taking 20 milligrams of fluoxetine, which is Prozac, for several months now. The question now comes up, should I increase the dosage? The answer to that is probably yes. I don't want to double the dose, which would mean I take two capsules a day, or 40 milligrams per day. I prefer to bump it up by 10 milligrams per day, but that would require me to take two capsules every other day and one on the other days for a total of three capsules every two days. And I don't know about you, but I like to keep my medicine regiment as simple as possible. And taking alternating amounts of medication in my book is a setup to screw up at some point down the line. This is not a big concern, mind you, only a petty annoyance. Plus, these medications are relatively forgiving in that they take time to reach maximum impact so a day here or there with too much or too little medication will have virtually no impact on the effect of the medication. Oh, and by the way, if you are taking psychotropic medication, I urge you to become your own pharmacist. What I mean by this is any medication you put into your system, I strongly recommend you become an expert on that medication. Know what you are putting into your body 
know the chemical, the side effects, the long-term use implications, and whatever other information that will help you decide if that is the route you want to take, period. Be a smart consumer of the healthcare services. Don't be a sheep. Being a sheep helps the system, but it does not help your overall health and happiness. Be smart when it comes to your health. Well, now, isn't life peachy? Now, I am not only recovering from COVID-19, but I'm also depressed. I'm not surprised. But confirming this reality is a big boost to my motivators. Nobody wants to be depressed, and I am no exception. I would much rather be active and engaged in the present moment. At this time, however, I feel safe and protected in my cocoon of depression. It insulates me as I withdraw from the world at large, cutting myself off from nearly all my social contacts, which are not that many in the first place. COVID-19 has done a number on all of us in that department. I've had so many depressive episodes in my life that it feels like a natural part of my process. Maybe it is. It is pretty clear that I am living with some significant stressors. I am currently separated from my wife of nearly 12 years, and there's not much hope of that situation changing, so I have decided to end the marriage as soon as my permanent residency in Costa Rica is in my hand. I have announced this in very clear terms to my wife, and in her customary fashion of letting things marinate, there has been no response to this declaration to date. This is what happens. There is frequently no response which is a form of stonewalling, which, at some point, I plan to do an episode on. Meanwhile, I'm living here on my own, trying to take care of business in a country where I do not speak the language very well, and I am unfamiliar with the picky uni ways of the culture. I am learning, though, slowly but surely. I know these conditions alone would be a great stressor on anyone. So here I am moderately to severely depressed, with little motivation to do anything. Not even the dishes. It's pretty shitty. The only benefit I can see is that I'm losing weight rather quickly. Ha! Even without exercising, all you need to do is virtually starve yourself. This has been easy because of my loss of appetite. And damn it, I, I really like to cook. I like to bake. I like to barbecue. I like to eat food. But food just has not been appetizing. I do my best to get some fruit and protein into my body, but it has been mostly a diet of highly processed carbs in the form of Doritos and tortilla chips, along with granola and fruit in the morning. Oh, and for dinner, and I may have a midday snack of crackers, salami, and cheese. Maybe an apple or an occasional cookie. Coffee and water are my fluids. This has been my life ever since I came down with COVID 18 days ago. I am slowly inching myself forward with tiny increments of energy, slowly returning to my reserves each day. But for the most part, I am more or less dead in the water. The good news is, apparently, I do have the energy to tell you all about my sad and pitiful existence. This too shall pass like the diarrhea and the constipation. Now I am waiting for the other systems to come online 
and I can return to going about my business and my life. I am definitely looking forward to it, even if at the same time I need to drag my ass back into the kitchen and clean the son of a bitch. People with complex post-traumatic stress don't do life. We feel life. At least I do. I've always been feeling my way through life, and let me tell you, it has not been the most efficient way to approach living on this rock. Not in the least. I envy people who take action, who are bold decision makers, but much of my life I don't act until I've squeezed myself in between a rock and a hard place. It can really wear a guy out. Well, apparently, this is where I'm at for the moment. But I hope to move through this low spot and emerge with a new sense of purpose and the energy to carry it out. How the hell do I make my life meaningful? After all, there must be meaning to a life of banging my head against the wall, succeeding at times, but failing many more times. All of this has to have some fucking meaning. It can't all be for naught. What does it mean to live a meaningful life? I mean, really, what the hell does that mean? Meaningful to whom? Meaningful in what way? Meaningful to the extent it leads to personal happiness and satisfaction with life? These are the questions swimming around my mind today. Existential? Yeah, but important nonetheless. These are the deeper questions that aid me in self-discovery, and if there's anything that is meaningful about my life or your life is that we are living it right here, right now. And no matter where you go, there you are. I'm also responsible for the quality of my life, and damn it, I'm not going to squander my life by being depressed and anxious. I know what's going on. I have a pretty good idea about how I got here, and I am beginning to recognize my path out of this current nightmare. It's about time I grew up. It's only been 70 fucking years. This is not a new awareness. I pulled myself up by the bootstraps many times before. In fact, I feel like the phoenix, rising from the ashes over and over again. I think I've talked about Sisyphus. You know, most people know him as the guy who ended up in eternity, pushing a rock up a hill only for it to tumble down to the bottom as soon as he reached the summit. Talk about a lousy job. This means letting go of a ton of shit, which may be why I've been depressed for the past few weeks. I've been carrying around way too much shit, most of it being of the bullshit variety. There are some things I've held onto even in the face of conflicting perceptions of who I am versus who I needed to be to survive. I would like to think that these two worldviews would be aligned with each other for the benefit of the whole, but that's not how egos work. Egos tend to want to travel in a straight line from point A to point B. But life is not a straight line. It's a curvy, whirly, broken line with a thousand dead ends. That's what life is. I wish it were straight lines. Life would be so much simpler, but the reality is, life is not straight lines, but more like a blind maze. And me, we, you, are the rats in this maze. I guess the bottom line is that I'm choosing to put myself into a brand new life, 
a single life, life on my own, I need to be clear with myself that romance is not part of the picture, unless you're referring to radical self-love. If it's self-love, then I am open to some romance. I'm going into this new environment with my eyes wide open and a boatload of new insights and understanding about who I am and what I need in my life. It's a grown-up world I'm talking about, a world where there is no mommy and no daddy to make things better when the shit hits the fan. I'm conscious of the deficits I have lived with. It is clear to me that I have complex post-traumatic stress, and I have been acting out the passion play of my abuse within the context of my romantic relationships. There is only one script to these passion plays, and the act of repeating them for all time no longer appeals to me. I have become aware of the alternative. And that alternative is what I am calling radical self-love. Hmm, maybe I should trademark that. Well, regardless, I have no idea of what my version of radical self-love looks like but it has got to be better than the radical self-sabotage I have lived for the vast majority of my life. Yeah, the sun is shining, and yeah, the future holds unlimited potential, and yes, I may actually be in a position where I can access the potential. There is plenty of pain, grief, and sorrow yet to be felt. Feelings I covered up with alcohol, dissociation, and fleeing from the consequences of my choices. It feels good but I also feel apprehensive in the been-there-done-that department. This is not the first time I've allowed myself to fall into the abyss just to see what happens. And the abyss, in my case, is living on my own. It's never been easy for me living on my own. All my life I've had people around me. I had great friends growing up. I've had way too many intimate relationships between which I spent in ordinate times by myself. Of course I worked, but even my work was with myself, me and my client for the better part of my career as a clinical social worker. I've always tended to be a social kind of guy, but more recently I've taken a liking to solitude. I seem to be drawn to the absence of people in my life. This may be the few times in my life where I've been on my own by my own choice. And the vast majority of those solitary phases in my life were as a result of the breakdown of relationship, a relationship I was clinging to. In my life, I have clung to relationships out of some dreaded fear that, to this day, I have not been able to articulate. Clinically, this tells me that the fear was embedded in a pre-verbal stage of my life, sometime in the first two to three years. Maybe it's the same for you. Yeah, this fear, this fear of abandonment has been an undercurrent in every serious romantic relationship I have ever been in. And in the final score, the fear of abandonment played a major role in the actualization of the feared abandonment. The passion play has been on autopilot nearly all my life. Is it possible that after 70 years, I may be for the very first time, manning the helm of my own ship? Imagine that. That's kind of a scary thought. 
My driving record would account for that fear alone, much less commanding the very flow of my life as opposed to feeling my way through life like a blind man without his cane. It's downright scary, as a matter of fact. What if I fuck it up again, just like the last time? That's not an unreasonable concern to have. After all, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. If you've done it once, you've done it a thousand times. And neurology is neurology, after all. But what I feel is the difference maker here is consciousness. I am now conscious of those invisible forces that drove me to be the way I was. And I am also aware that neurology is flexible and that neurogenesis is a real thing. Mindfulness is a key component of my plan along with diet, exercise, which mainly consists of walking and cleaning, I guess, and meditation. Sprinkled amongst these moments are delightful visits with my friends that I love and adore and who love and adore me. There can be no other way at this stage of the game. I have to go all in when it comes to playing this old game in a new way. It's the new way or it's no way. In this, I must be committed. What will that look like? I have no fucking idea. Given a good attitude and a positive outlook on whatever I encounter in life will benefit me as well as move me along in the new direction. This is what I call radical self-love. Radical self-love, TM, is simply bestowing random acts of kindness upon yourself, being patient and gentle with yourself, slowing yourself down, down to the point where you can observe yourself in a non-judgmental way. Look at yourself with compassion, regard, and affection. Celebrate the fact that you are here, right now, at this very moment, breathing and taking in life. Take a deep breath right now and feel the love. That's right. Take one slow, deep breath. See what happens. Stop running yourself ragged. You deserve better. And until you start treating yourself with the respect that you oh so deserve, then the world is just going to continue serving you shit soup until you shift your perspective. For me, it's a day-to-day, moment-to-moment awareness and acceptance of where I am and what is going on around me. Take it in. Take in as much of the moment that you can tolerate. Don't worry. The more moments you consciously take in, the easier it becomes to reside within the present. When all is said and done, isn't it the moments of your life where you have been completely present that you remember the most? They are for me, and knowing that I can create these moments any time I like simply by being present means, ultimately, I have control over how I respond to life's seemingly random activities. It's not what happens, but how I respond to what happens that makes the difference. So get rid of the old, outmoded ways of responding to the world. Make room for new perspectives that fill your heart with joy and adventure. What do you have to lose? It's all in your imagination anyway. 
And that is about all I have to say for today. Thanks for being here. Thank you for listening to what may have turned out to be more of a ramble than a rant. I also want to thank you for taking some time to visit our sponsor, Out of My Mind Art, where you can find silly gifts for those silly friends and family of yours. Now go to www.outofmymindart.com to shop until you drop. Also, please share this podcast with those you know who may benefit from my fucked up life. I encourage you to write me an email like my listener Abby did last week. I love hearing from you. And if you are listening on a platform that allows you to rate, review, or comment, feel free to let your voice be heard. I will greatly appreciate it. Well, now you've done it. You've wasted another half hour listening to Out of My Mind in Costa Rica living with complex post-traumatic stress. This is your host, Ray Erickson, saying until next time, be courageous, be strong, and be kind. I'll catch you later. Bye.